Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunes. We got Tim Maxwell on this episode. How's it going, Tim? It's going well. We got the King's basketball on today, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm a little congested today, so sorry if there's a little bit of a nasally voice going on, but uh, working with what we can and glad to get it out before the season starts here. And most of the news that we saw today, uh, we're recording this on Sunday, most listeners are probably hearing this on Monday, was these 2018 rookie scale extensions. And Bagley obviously being a part of that draft group, but not all too surprised that no deal has been locked in there. I think the plan today is kind of talk through some of these other extensions. What we potentially would offer Bagley, the deadline is tomorrow, 10-18 on Monday. So technically there's still time for a deal to get done. Uh, we'll walk through why we maybe do or don't think that'll happen. But yeah, let's just start with talking about some of the other rookie sale extensions that happen and, and a little bit of our thoughts on them. You know, the Supermax went to Luka Doncic, uh, five years, 207. Max contracted Trey Young, five years, 172. And that same deal went to Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Michael Porter Jr. Uh, are you kind of in the same camp as what I think most people would be where it's like, wow, that is a whole lot of money for MPJ? It's a whole lot of money, but he got five years, right? He did, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, it, it was. It's kind of like I think Darren Fox is better, but when people were debating the Darren Fox contract last year, if that's when it was, yeah, um, whatever that happened. Um, if Michael Porter Jr. entered the restricted free agent market, I would offer him a max deal in a heartbeat, and so would like fifteen other teams. So you're going to end up paying the max deal either way. I'm pretty sure. So the only advantage to sign, well, there's two advantages to signing him now. Um, one, you can add in the fifth year, which is important, um, especially for a team like Denver, who has won a lot of games but hasn't won at all um, with their current core. And number two, um, you make the player happy, obviously. He, his representation's going to be happy that he's played really, really well for them. He's obviously got some relatively large holes in his game. But, I mean, all you're going to do is piss off your player if you let him go to restricted and he gets a max offer there. I, I just, I don't. I don't have a huge problem with teams investing in young talents like MPJ in a, in a vacuum. Would I give him as much as he got? Probably not. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things like, what, what else am I going to do? Am I going to offer him four years? And I guess you could do that. But at that rate, may as well go all in with him and, and offer that. Fifth. Do you have any problem with it? I mean, my confusion was why were there no like incentives based on games played? Um, with with some of his health concerns and prior health history, like I just would have, I expected that to be more. I expect that to be part of the contract, and it wasn't. Um, and yeah, I mean, he is, yeah, that caliber of player when he's alongside a Nikola Jokic, obviously. But yeah, I think by himself that I don't feel great about that money, but I understand that they had to do it, and he's like what Denver has going for them is a great situation where they are going to be when fully healthy championship contenders, legitimate championship contenders. So I understand not wanting to mess around and let him hit restricted free agency. And then yeah. I think the same could go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, and I, I don't think he's a number one option. Like I don't think he could be your foundational piece, but the nuggets already have Jokic and Murray locked up. So it's like, they kind of got decent deals with those guys in, in certain ways. So you may as well just lock up your third piece and, and move on. But go ahead. Right. And then I think this is the interesting part with DeAndre Ayton, who the quote from Woj was Phoenix is reluctant to offer a max. And yeah, I mean, with what they saw from him, 
the growth this past offseason. They did see Mikhail Bridges get paid four years, $90 million. That's about $22 million per year. Um, a max contract for Aiton is a lot, so I understand the hesitation. But I think kind of similarly to what you're saying with MPJ, like it's probably something that he gets in the offseason. It's maybe not as sure of a lock as MPJ is, but yeah, I mean, for a team that's really trying to run it back and have some continued success with a lot of continuity on their roster, it could lead to a little bit of some locker room things, and it wouldn't surprise me if Aiton was a little unhappy. So were you surprised to see Aiton not get a max? Yeah, very surprised. He, like you said, he's grown a ton um, on both ends of the floor. Uh, he's played really, really well. I, when Aiton first came to the league, I wasn't super impressed with him in a lot of ways, and he's just you know showed that he has a work ethic and he's willing to work on those aspects of his game that aren't strong. And, you know, again, I, I look at it like this. Um, one of the things that's been said about the Kings offseason was, well, part of the reason they didn't spend the MLE, I'm sorry, um, yeah, well, part of the reason they didn't spend the MLE or didn't spend all of it was because if they, you know, if certain players end their contracts and they do this, that, and the other thing, they can have a max slot next summer. I don't really think that's the plan. I don't think their plan is to, like, give all our money to one dude. I mean, maybe it is. Um, but if Aiden came up as a restricted free agent and we had a max slot sitting there, I would absolutely offer him a max slot and, you know, maybe lock him up, maybe don't, but if you could put eight next to, you know, Darren Fox, Tigers, Calibert, and Davion Mitchell, whoever we end up trading for, if we trade this year, um, that's an incredible core. So yeah, it's the same thing as, as MPJ. It's the same thing as Darren Fox. It's the same thing as uh, Shaggy Elders Alexander. Like if you don't lock these guys up now, they're just going to get locked up in this. And of course, you know that if the Kings were to go to Aiton and offer him a max sheet next summer, the Suns would have to match. Like, you cannot let DeAndre Eaton walk for nothing. That would be a catastrophic, devastating move for a franchise. And so it's just, it's an odd situation to me when teams get a little cheap because even if Eaton doesn't get a max deal next summer, I mean, assuming he doesn't get hurt, he's going to get paid. He's going to get a huge offer sheet um, from a team that wants uh, a franchise center. So even if you save a, a few million dollars a year, let's say he gets a slightly under the max contract and you match it, that few million dollars a year, and it's not my money that I'm spending, but th- those few million dollars are not worth a player's frustration for a season, a player's frustration for having to be forced to go to an offer sheet um, and, and all of those things. It just doesn't create a good relationship. We know Robert Sarver has kind of a history of being a little cheap. I'm in the Phoenix area. I'm, I'm very familiar with the franchise. So, yeah, it's just like, the guy's earned it. You know, part of the NBA is when a guy earns his check, you're paying him for today and you're paying him for tomorrow. And in the case, in this case, I think they just need to, to man up and, and match, not match, but offer even the max. Yeah, some of the other deals we saw um, staying on Phoenix, we'll talk about that Mikhail Bridges one for a second, four years, 90 million, 22.5 million per year. Uh, yeah, for context, heal this four years, 94, 23.5 million. I feel pretty confident saying Mikhail Bridges is a lot better player than Buddy Heald. This one, of all the deals that we're going to go through, I mean, the Bridges deal feels like a a steal to me. I mean, maybe it's about fair value, but I could have seen him getting more on the open market. Um, I I mean, yeah, I I think this Bridges deal is something that Phoenix should be really happy about. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is a steal. Um, I don't know if it's a steal in a vacuum. I'm going to say the word vacuum 400 times this episode. Um, But I, I, I do think if he were to enter restricted free agency, I think he would have gotten a bigger contract offer than that. Um, I, I kind of remember back to like the auto Porter days when he entered restricted free agency and there was a scramble to get, I mean, the Kings were in, were in the room with him. There were a couple other teams in the room with him and eventually he signed a big, big fat contract. 
Um, and Mikhail Bridges is better than uh, Otto Porter was back in the day. And I think that would be the kind of situation that would happen where people would see this like star role player, not a star player, but a star role player coming to the market, you know, a three and D wing, which is like the most prioritized position in the NBA besides point guard. If he had entered restricted free agency, I think he would have gotten easily four years, a hundred and hundred million. And I think it would have gone beyond that. So yeah, that's a great deal for Phoenix. And I, I, I wonder if they you know, saw that steal with Bridges and now they're like, well, maybe we can get another steal with Aiton. Maybe that's the influence. But yeah, if I could if I could pay Mikhail Bridges $22 million a year, I would do so happily. Yeah, I think the way you worded it, if he hit restricted, he would get more. I feel pretty confident back in that as well. Um, yeah, it's a good way to look at it. And yeah, there's potentially more upside for Bridges still on the horizon as well. So the other two that... I think directly relate to Marvin Bagley, uh, similar positions, same, I guess, maybe not same position, similar positions, kind of big man. Wendell Carter Jr., uh, college teammate of Bagley. This one surprised a couple people, myself included. Four years, 50 million, 12.5 per year. Uh, Carter was acquired by the Magic recently in that Vucevic swap with Chicago. And yeah, this is an interesting comparison, I think, for Bagley because Carter has... I think undeniably underperformed since being drafted seventh overall in 2018. And there's still a foundation of a solid defensive big man, but I think that you can even be hesitant, like penciling him in as a starter in the future. You know, like I think that there is definitely that foundation there totally could reach that point. But were you surprised like I am by this four years, 50 for Wendell Carter? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like that deal at all. Um, Carter was really good as a rim protector last season. So he was 12th in the league in defensive rim protection. So he reduces opponent's average at the rim by 11%, which is really, really, really good. Um, so that was good. But like you said, he's, he's a really incomplete player. Like he protects the rim pretty well and he's a solid rebounder, maybe even above average. And then he just doesn't do much else and I, I think there's been some some like confidence issues over the years if I remember correctly like where he wouldn't shoot the ball or I forget what it was exactly but um you know a guy that's averaging 11 and 8 11 and 9 a game that's that's solid production and I guess if you're getting him at what like 12 million dollars a year um whatever it is that's fine um I don't like the magic I don't like anything they've done um they've invested literally I would guess over a hundred million dollars easily in a bunch of injury prone or inconsistent guys. They've got Michael Carter Williams, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter, Markel Fultz, Chuma Okiki. Like these are all dudes that don't play. I mean, the chances of them having all six or seven of those guys available in the same game in the next two years feels basically like a 0% chance. So I, I don't really, I, I understand that the magic, like long athletic, defensive-minded dudes who can get in your face. And that's a, it's great in theory, but if every single one of those guys misses half of their career games, which is really all the guys that I've named, um, I just don't – I don't really – I don't get it. I don't get the, what the Magic are doing. Uh, and they have four million point guards as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't like the deal for the Magic in particular with their injury issues. In, outside of the Magic, maybe it's a little bit better, but yeah, I just I, – I would not have paid Wendell Carter that, that, that amount of money. I wouldn't have either at this point. I probably would have waited for restricted and kind of see what the market turned out to be like for him. Um, I, I do still, I mean, I really liked Wendell Carter coming out of the draft. I mean, and they have Franz Wagner, like he just solves all their issues. So 
that's really all they there need you go. at this point. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, I think like the core of when you're talking Cole, uh, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, Jalen Suggs, I get that that's a lot of overlapping positions, but you know, one of the three probably won't end up panning out. Um, and then you also have Franz and yeah, I think there's some interesting pieces and, and I don't think they plan on being good, but yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't have offered this contract to him either. And the other big man deal was Robert Williams, the 27th pick in this draft. And he ended up getting four years, 48 million, 12 million per year from the Celtics. I think this is a pretty good deal. I mean, it's it's funny when you look at this compared to Rashawn Holmes contract, right? Like four years, 46 million, 11.5 million a year. Like Holmes is better than these guys. But it was a serious debate of would you do Robert Williams for Rashawn Holmes this last um Deadline, but a lot of that had to do with, oh, I don't think we would be able to keep home. So when you're talking these contracts, I think that conversation changes. But Robert Williams is a player with an interesting upside to him. Some uh, more than just rim running on offense, like there's some decent passing to him as well. And, you know, about his defensive potential. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely like this one better than Wendell Carter Jr. He's making a little bit less money. And I think that this is there's an opportunity that Robert Williams outplays this contract. Yeah, I, I would defer to you a little bit. You're you're more familiar with Boston and Boston teams than I am. Um, yeah, I think it's a fine deal. I don't I don't think I don't look at the deal and go, man, they got value out of that. Like the Macau Bridges deal, I think they got real value in that deal. Yeah. Um, Robert Williams, they're they're betting on potential, which is what you do with you know a, a rookie extension, like a non-star, non-guaranteed starter rookie extension. You're betting on on potential and hoping it pans out. Like you said, you're you're hoping they outplay their contract, and then if they don't you're hoping that at least produce to their contracts level. Um, yeah. He, Robert Williams has a lot of potential. He's always had a lot of potential and he's one of those guys that you keep talking about the potential and you hope one day that potential is realized. His minutes have increased every year. His production has increased every year. So you just hope that continues. So I don't really have a problem with it. I don't love it. I don't hate it. It's kind of like a, a neutral deal to me. It could work out really well. And I think at worst, he's just like a bench center that you're paying a little bit over for. And, you know, what are you going to do about that? Yeah. And again, I, I think this really puts into context the home steal. Like, I, I can't stress enough how much of a value deal I think four years 46 for Holmes is. And the, as you mentioned with Robert Williams, a player that you're always just kind of talking about the potential and waiting for that to actualize, Bagley falls in that same category. There's some other guys that didn't get um, extensions yet. Maybe that'll happen before the deadline. Uh, Jaron Jackson, Mo Bamba, Miles Bridges, Dante DiVincenzo, Lonnie Walker, Kevin Herter, those sort of names, and a couple others. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. did get an extension, but he was a second-round pick. Uh, that was three years, 54 for him there. Where do you sit of, if you were Monty McNair, what extension do you put on the table for Marvin Bagley? Because at this point, I mean, you have to be, like like we're talking about betting on the potential because his current on court production is a negative. I would say most times he out he's out there. It's an outlier for it to be a positive contribution. So if you're McNair, what are you willing to put on the table for Bagley? All right, I'll, I'll ask you a question to answer your question. Do you want me to give you my final number, or do you want me to give you my reasoning? I can give you final number than reasoning, or reasoning than final number. Let's hear reasoning first. Okay. This is going to be a little bit of a stint. All right, so everyone sit back, relax. Unless you're driving, then don't do that. Um, so I I researched a couple of different like avenues to figure out how much I would pay Marvin Bagley. Because like my initial reaction, because I don't think Marvin Bagley is a good NBA player. I don't even think he's an average NBA player. Is just like, I don't want him back, period. He doesn't want to be here. 
I don't want him back. Let's just, let's end the misery. But that's not what we're doing here. So if I was Monty Panera, I knew I wanted to offer him an extension. So there, there's kind of two, uh, two routes I went. Um, number one is kind of similar-ish draft picks in his realm had similar struggles and what happened to them. And there's really three players that I identified in the last eight years or so that, that kind of lined up with them in different ways. So there was, and if you're a huge Marvin Bagley fan, please plug your ears. Jabari Parker, Jaleel Okafor, Derek Williams. Um, Jaleel, or excuse me, um, Jabari Parker um, had a higher peak than Bagley did from a production standpoint, average 20 a game, I think his third year. Um, but he met, he also had similar injury issues. Um, and after, after his rookie year was a rookie contract was finished, he signed a two year, $40 million deal. Um, I think it was with the bulls. Um, but he was traded halfway through the first season of that contract. And the second year was not guaranteed. And the wizards who he was traded to declined that option. So he basically got one year, 20 million. Um, Jaleel Okafor was complete other end of the spectrum when it came to his next deal. Um, his fourth year option was declined by the Sixers, um, which if I can be real with everyone, if the Kings could decline Marvin Bagley's fourth year option right now, they would. Um, obviously they can't. Um, and then he went and signed with the Pelicans on a two-year minimum deal. So like two years, it was like $4 million, or $5 million, $3 million. Uh, he had a slightly higher peak in his rookie year, um, 17 points per game, but he declined really quickly. I think he went from like seven, 17 to like 11 to eight. So he, you know, he didn't have the steadiness of, of Bagley. Um, and I would say his injury concerns in some ways were, were, were larger. And then there was Derek Williams, um, who had a lower peak. I don't think Derek Williams ever played at the level of Bagley, but he was similar in, you know, we really hope this guy turns out. If he can add a three-point shot, you know, if he can learn to defend, it was kind of the same uh, conversation that went around with him. He also played a lot more games than Bagley. He was healthier. Um, he was traded the Kings, obviously, in his third season. Uh, they kept him for the fourth season, and then they didn't resign him. They chose not to, and he signed with the Knicks. I think it was the taxpayer MLE back in the day. I could be wrong, but it was two years, $10 million. So we have one year, $20 million, two years minimum, and two years, $10 million, which is a large variance. Um, but the average of those guys was about $8.5 million a year. Um, the other thing I went through and what I'll do is I'm going to, I'm going to list some players. And I, if, if you think there's someone on my list that's like way worse than Bagley, just let me know and I'll, I'll kind of take them off uh, of my list. So I've got Willie Colley Stein. Yeah. Reasonable. Okay. Derek favors. No, yeah, I think that, yeah, I mean, I might like Favors better, but yeah. I, I know, I, I do like Favors better, but I'm just, you know, <laughs> kind of his range. Uh, yeah. Jermichael Green. Yeah, that's okay. Nerlens Noel. Mm-hmm. Mason Plumley. Yeah. Kem, Kem Birch. Yeah, I all mean, I think, yeah, production-wise, about the same. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just read their contracts. These are all 2020 or 2021 deals. So these are recent deals. Colley Stone got two years for, or excuse me, two years, eight million. Favor got three years, twenty-seven million. Jamichael Green got two years, fifteen million. Nerlens Noel got one year, five million. Plumlee got three years, twenty-five. Ken Birch got three years, twenty. Um, all those guys together made an average of seven million a year. And some of those are youngerish players. Most of them have been a little bit more established in the league. Um, so. My my first list of guys, they average around eight and a half, nine million. My second list of guys average around seven million a year. So I think I would land 
uh, three years, 24 million, third option, either partially guaranteed or team option. So eight, I would give him eight, maybe nine million a year for three years. That third option is not guaranteed. That's from market research, from looking at similar guys. Um, and, and if I can just be totally straight up with you, I would not necessarily be very comfortable making that offer from a, from a, I think I'm going to get my value, my investment back on this offer. But if I had to, let's go three years, 27 million with a partial guarantee on the third year. Am I, am I way off from you? No, I actually, the number I had wrote down was three years, 25. And look at that. as you're sitting here, I'm like wanting to lower it even like, I think it's the same thing you said. Like, I don't feel great about getting that value out of it, but compared to some of the players, when you're talking about that second group that just signed, I think the idea is that Bagley has a lot more potential still left in him. Um, not sure how much longer we can continue to say that for at this point, but I think that that label still can be thrown on him. I also, and this is just emotional of me, I guess, and why I wouldn't make a good general manager. I'm over talking about Marvin Bagley. And I think there's an aspect where it's just like, he's such a storyline to this team and a conversation that I'm just over having, which I get, like I said, maybe just emotional of me, but yeah, most of the time that he's out there, he is a negative during his time on the floor. I don't think the Kings are in a position where they can just be donating minutes to negative players or negative contributors with the hope that they are going to eventually figure it out. So yeah, the number I settled on was three or 25. I also think there's no chance that Bagley would accept that. Um, he doesn't really have all too much of a reason to like, I think that in my mind, Bagley and his team sit there and are like, no, we're going to get more money in restricted. Right. Yeah. I, I would, I, I don't think Bagley would offer any reasonable. I don't, I would say this deal is reasonable, but even a, a much larger deal. Like I think if the Kings offered Bagley a, a relatively significant contract, I think he would decline because I think he would bet on himself and lose. Yeah. And um, some of the teams with potential cap space, Memphis, San Antonio, Detroit, Orlando, Cleveland, OKC, like these are young teams that I think could be willing to bet on Bagley and give them some time. But I think there's something to Bagley hitting restricted free agency and the offers that he gets kind of humbling him. And maybe that doesn't happen, but in my mind, that's that could be a turning point for Bagley's career. Positive or negative, right? Like, I mean, I could see Bagley getting uh, uh, like a two-year, $10 million offer and using that as motivation to be like, okay, you know, I'm prove everyone wrong. Um, or I could see that kind of being the end of his career, to be honest. And then he, I mean, not the total end of his career, but I could see him, you know, the Jabari Parkers, the Jaleel Fours, where they're signing minimum deals or five-year million, you know, I mean, one's just trying to pick up on this potential that's supposedly there. But um, yeah, I just, I, I certainly don't see Bagley re-signing with the Kings. And I just, there's, there's no, there's no real offer out there that would make me super comfortable. Um, that's reasonable. And I don't expect restricted free agency to go well for Marvin Bagley. I don't think anyone, it, like any GM, when we hit free agency a year from now or, and months from now, when they have their list of guys they want to target in free agency, Bagley's not going to be on any team's top five or seven. He's going to be the, you know, the, all right, well, he's still around, so maybe we give him a shot. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I mean, if a team was really interested in him, there probably were opportunities to, I mean, we don't know what the, what McNair was or wasn't accepting for 
for Bagley, but I, I would think that if they were really interested in him, they would really inquire. And, and I, in my mind, it doesn't take that much to get Bagley away from Sacramento. And they would try to make a deal happen and and see what they have in in whatever sort of freedom or amount of minutes that they want to allocate towards him before they reach this restricted point. Exactly. I mean, like I think that's a really, really, really strong point. If a team is going to be interested in Marvin Bagley and restricted free agency, they may as well trade for him. This, I mean, they should have traded for him this summer, but they may as well trade for him at or before the deadline and, you know, get him 30 games under their belt to see if he's, if he's worth re-signing. Um, I don't, the Kings don't want Marvin Bagley around. Um, I don't think in like a super negative, like get him off our team, but more in like, as you said earlier, he's a storyline. He's the last really, really obvious in your face part of the Vlade Divac regime. Luke Walton be the, being the other one, but Luke Walton doesn't evoke the same emotions as Marvin Bagley, nor was Luke Walton's hiring as nearly as catastrophic as Marvin Bagley's drafting. So yeah, I, I think it would it would be really, really helpful for the entire fan base from from just like an emotional um, point of view to to Mar- Marvin Bagley not to be around anymore because we're we're all at the point you know we're all not we're all on Twitter but those of us that are on Twitter or social media or commenting on blogs or whatever you know you've got your staunch Bagley supporters who are like he's going to be great he's going to be an all star he's going to be most approved and then you have like I would say the majority of people that say well. No, he's not because he's never shown that side since his sort of his rookie season. So, yeah, I think it would be really healthy and cathartic for the fan base if Marvin Bagley was was no longer on the team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think that even when restricted comes around and say it's that three years, twenty four or what? What did you settle on? Twenty seven million deal that that he gets offered from another franchise. I mean, is that something that you sit there and match like? I mean, no. I, I think I would be very okay with not. Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't. I want to spend my money and my time and my minutes and my effort elsewhere. Um, and I, I think a big part of that too is like, if I was the GM, Marvin Bagley doesn't want to be here. Like, I, I don't think anyone is mistaken in that. I know there hasn't been like an official uh, Woj reported trade request or Jason Anderson reported trade request, but he doesn't want to be here. His representation made it clear. Um, it was you know, the, the tweets and, and the non, the non-confirmation wanting to be in SAC, all of those things. And I, I, I don't blame the dude. I wouldn't want to be in Sacramento if I was Marvin Bagley. I wouldn't want to be in Sacramento really if I was most NBA players, but especially Marvin Bagley. I mean, he is representative of, in my definition, the, the biggest mistake in franchise history um, and not, not drafting Marvin Bagley, but passing on Luka Doncic. And so like, that's, that's really hard to overcome as a 22 year old guy or however old he is now. Um, so yeah, I don't think he wants to be here. If some team comes through and offers him three for 24, I, I don't see any world realistically um, where the Kings would match that. Yeah. I mean, they're not in a position, like I said earlier, where they're really throwing guys out there for the sake of developing them. Um, there's a couple maybe, um, but that's because they're also giving you positive contributions on a handful of nights. Like there's, there's nights you're going to put Davion out there and he's going to be a negative. Right. But for the most part, you know, the energy that you're getting, like, you know what to expect when you're throwing him out there, even if it doesn't pan out exactly how you expect it to every single night. This has been my whole thing with Bagley. You throw him out there, I don't know what you're getting on a night-to-night basis. And at this point in his career, that's an issue. I think it's better for the franchise to move on. I think it's better for Bagley to move on and detach from this whole draft selection um, thing that you just pointed out. And 
yeah, I mean, I get that gauging these contracts based off like a complete deal or I would call a steal and this home's like 11.5 million per year isn't maybe a great way to look at things, but I don't see how Bagley can like be on this roster making slightly less than Rashawn Holmes. Like I, I would feel a type of way about that if I was Rashawn Holmes and I think he would have every reason to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Bagley situation is complicated. I'd be absolutely shocked if there was an extension that, that was agreed upon uh, today, tomorrow, uh, uh, tomorrow when we're recording this today, probably when it's getting heard by most of you on, on Monday, the 18th. So yeah, I mean, I think that what are the improvements you would need to see from Bagley in order to, to convince you to really consider this restricted deal come next off season? Um, I don't want to sound too dickish, but like if he just does something well, like if you look at Marvin Bagley and you look at 14 and seven a game or whatever, and you're like, okay, 14 and seven a game is like worthy of a bench contract. Maybe even like a, a, a low, a low end fifth starter. Yeah. 50% from the field, 31% from three. Yeah. But, and then, but if you break down the individual parts of his game, aside from rebounding, which I don't want to take away, he's a, he's a, I would say an above average rebounder. Um, He's not a great rebounder. He's above average. But every other aspect of his game is is below average to bad. So it's just a matter of like if Marvin Bagley, if he, you know, if, if he can take one area, let's say it's three-point shooting, right? That's I wouldn't say the easiest, but it's the most offensively minded, which is certainly who Bagley is. If he can become a, a 38% three-point shooter on three attempts a game, okay. Maybe now we're we're moving the discussion. If he can become an effective player in the pick and roll, okay, great. Now maybe we're moving that discussion around. If he be, can become an above average from the worst in the league to an above average rim protector. Okay, maybe now we can have a conversation. Um, if he can post up at all, which he, I, I just want to throw this out there. He can't. Like, we talk about him sometimes as a post-up player. His rookie year, he was, I, I'm going to maybe get this exact number wrong, but I think it was he was in the 27th percentile in points per possession. Last year, he was in, like, the 8th percentile. Uh, excuse me, two years ago, he was in the 8th percentile. And last year, he was in the 21st percentile in points per possession and post up. So if he can post up and become, like, an isolation, like, I can bring Marvin Bagley off the bench and give him the ball and he will score or draw free throws, which was really his rookie season. He drew a ton more free throws. Then maybe we can change that conversation. But I, I just need to see something from him like that I can identify as he does this really well. And if I can just get one thing from him, I can change that conversation. But if I can look at a player and says and say he does one thing above average and a lot of things below average are bad, I, I can't invest in that player even if they're – they've been derailed by injuries. And even if they have some potential and even if they're athletic um, at some point, athleticism and potential have to produce. And and thus far, I don't think Marvin Bagway has produced um, in any, in any sort of positive way. So yeah, just, just one, one or two areas. If I can see intentional significant improvement to an above average to good line, then I will reconsider my opinion on Marvin Bagley. Where are you at with it? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think it'd be healthy for both sides to separate themselves. And yeah, I think it goes back to kind of what I was saying earlier. Like, I want to know what I'm getting when I throw them out there. There was improvement in that three-point shot, but it's just about still below average um, compared to kind of viewing him as a non-shooter earlier in his career, even if he was willing to take it. So I'm glad to see a little bit of growth there. But yeah, I mean, if you're betting on potential, which again, the Kings aren't in a spot where I think they're they have the luxury of exactly doing that or they want to do that. Like they're, they're obviously pushing for the playoffs play in with this current roster. And 
I just need to see some sort of substantial growth. We ha- we haven't seen that. It's been that three point shot. Like I guess he's a little more willing to use the right hand this preseason. But like what at the beginning of last season, we're like, oh wow, he's moving the ball like a lot better. And a lot better considering the starting point isn't really saying all that much. So I, I think he kind of hit the nail on the head of what is he going to do at an average level, uh, slightly above average level compared to most of them being pretty negative during his time out there. And yeah, I think it would be good for the team and Bagley to kind of move on from the situation and the conversation that's been had for years now since he was taken. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at this point ready to move on from Bagley and hopefully, you know, no ill will against Bagley at all. I I hope he goes to another situation or even this season in Sacramento really proves us wrong and shows that with some health, he's able to improve in certain aspects and be a semi-dominant for like a quarter, maybe every four games on the offensive end. Like we've seen it once or twice throughout his career. And maybe you just get random spurts of that. And as a bench player, that's okay. But I mean, I just don't have any reason to believe that right now. Yeah. And I think you you mentioned at the very end there, but obviously he needs to show he can, you know, get on the court and stay on the court. Um, Missing half his preseason games. Not not an encouraging sign. I know the Kings are going to be extra extra careful with him, but oof, that's just that's that's not great. Um, but yeah, Mar- Marvin. He just he re- he really 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 reminds me of Derek Williams, um, a, a better player than Derek Williams, a more naturally talented player than Derek Williams. But just that, I remember when Derek Williams came to SAC, and. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was shortly into his tenure here. And I think he put up 30 points in a game and we were like, we have unlocked the key to Derek Williams. Like this is it. And then he just was terrible. And Marvin Bagley is not terrible, but just really, really reflective of, of Derek Williams in a lot of ways. I think, and, you know, as you said, I wish nothing but the best for Marvin Bagley. I know I've been a huge critic of him, but it's, one of my jobs as an analyst is to to be real about these players and about these, these guys. Um, and hopefully he turns around in, in either our situation or another situation, but I, I, I don't particularly see it happening, especially in Sacramento with, with all this, frankly, the scars that are here, um, both physical and emotional. I, I don't think it'll ever happen in Sac. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on Bagley before I throw our overtime question your way? Um, you know, I just, I hope someone talked to Marvin Bagley this summer about what impact he's making on the court. And that's such a simple concept, but I have a feeling that he has been grown up in this environment of he is going to be the next big thing. And that was true until he came to the NBA. I mean, when he was at Duke, even though we didn't agree with his selection, he was a top three rated prospect coming into the league, into the draft. So it's, it's, top five maybe whatever it was um so i just hope someone have the conversation with him you know a christie a bobby jackson a luke walton a, a whoever or someone from his representation or some a friend just said you know you gotta do the little things to become great and that's what marvin bagley just doesn't do he doesn't set hard screens he, he doesn't fight hard on defense he doesn't share the rock on offense he and, and it's just one of those things where it's like I, I just I hope someone got through to him this summer to change his his perspective on basketball that he he is not the guy and in fact he's not the fourth guy he's probably not the sixth guy this season but that doesn't mean his career can't be successful so I just I I really hope that Marvin Bagley can understand that um, and can can really just become 
a guy for the Kings and a, and a guy for the next team. And then that can develop into more and more and more. Um, and, and I just hope that for him. Yeah. I think like we mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm hopeful that the next deal that he gets in restricted, assuming that it's kind of on the lower side is humbling. You mentioned it possibly going one of two ways of him feeling very offended and slighted and, and he deserved more or being like, all right, I'm going to go out there and, and um, accept that, I'm not this star guy and do the little things like you're talking about. So I'm hoping that a bit of humbling with his next deal that comes in restricted can have that impact on Bagley. But yeah, I have a hard hard time seeing that pan out in Sacramento and would be absolutely shocked to see a deal happen before this 1018 Monday deadline. So for our overtime segment, which we had been struggling for topics here and shout out to one of our listeners, Ryan Hobbs. It's at Kang's K A N G S two. Kings on Twitter sent us a whole handful of questions that he asked his student. He's a teacher. And of course, with Tim on the show, I had to do like some food related one. And this isn't quite a food take, but it is food related. And it's which vegetable do you think you can throw the farthest? And I'm going to go through some vegetables here that stood out to me. I I pulled up a list of vegetables because I admittedly don't eat enough vegetables. So some of the ones that stood out to me. Let's uh, just to go through a list, kind of alphabetical here: artichoke, beets, um, cabbage, cauliflower, uh, garlic, and eggplant, um, lettuce, onions, potatoes. If you feel like you can throw a pumpkin, a radish. Um, what else we got here? Tomatoes are a pretty solid one. Turnips, zucchini. When I sent you this, was there one that popped in your mind pretty quick? Or were, were you like, did you have to pull up a list? Or are you just like, you're a vegetable guy. You got this on deck. I eat a lot of vegetables, but I also pulled up a list because I'm competitive. So um, do I get to know your answer before I say my answer? Or, or yeah, I'll, I'll say first? mine. All right, go ahead. Mine was, mine was potatoes. I think that they have some some solid weight to them that would help carry them, uh, carry them far. I get to pick a kind of shape of potato that's going on here and i think i'd be able to get a fairly good grip i don't trust like for example a radish having to hold on to the top part and swing that around before i throw it 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 could just come off the edge before it finally gets out of my hand onion was a close second for me but i ended up going with potato here i think that like i said picking the shape it's got a decent weight to the weight to it that'll help carry it and yeah it's not too far from kind of baseball softball size all right, that was exactly my thinking. So I looked up. So the standard weight of a baseball is five to five and a quarter ounces. <laughs> Hell yeah, I did this. Okay, so there were four vegetables that stood out to me that were within that weight threshold between like four and six ounces on average, which were beets, onions, tomatoes, and potatoes. So we were right in the same room. I think a tomato is actually a fruit, but we're just going to say it's a vegetable because oh, I'm not 100% certain on that. Um, anyway. So beets were out very quickly for me because of their shape. And I just didn't feel like I could, you know, huck that very far. Um, onions, I, I think onions would be number two for me. However, there's the slip factor with onions. They're shiny. They're a little slippery. Mm. That thing could slip out of your hand. And if like a part of the outer shell, I don't it's the skin, I guess you would call it. If that came off, you know, it could flutter. And then your aerodynamics would be off. And then it was between tomato and potato, assuming tomato were kind of the vegetable. But tomatoes would, when they hit, would splatter. So that's however far you throw it, that's done. But a potato has bounce potential, right? Um, and like you said, you can kind of choose a roundish potato um, 
see, I, I also went with potato. My my out of out of the box answer was gonna be maybe like a zucchini or a cucumber, like just like flip it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think I'm gonna use my seven foot wingspan and toss that potato as far as I can. There we go. I'm. I don't know. Am I surprised we came up with the same one? I guess it makes sense. Like you, I'm very glad that I went first there because my explanation was not as well thought through as yours. But we came to the same. I did research here. Yeah, yeah, you really did. You really did. So when you sent me this, when you sent me this a little while back, um, I landed on a nectarine, and then right before the show started, I was like, "That is a fruit." Yeah, and I was, I almost really embarrassed myself. <laughs> So I'm glad I, I remembered last second. I was going to be so happy because it was like average. Oh, no, it's going to be. I'm sorry. It was going to be an orange because an orange, it's between two and five ounces. It's like it's got bounce power, right? It's not going to splatter. Probably it's a solid weight. It's super round, just like a baseball. And then I realized it was a fruit. So that is potato. Yeah, you're very well thought through with these questions. That was a great Thank answer. Thank you. Yeah. I take them seriously. And I, but I'm a, I'm a corporate trainer and I have a new hire class starting tomorrow. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this class, this question at the new hires. There you go. Yeah. And we're going to have to have a King's Herald uh, vegetable throwing contest. We're I'm, I'm to in. this up. Yeah. You watch I think a couple of our guys. Play, did you play baseball like in high school or anything? Uh, no. Like when I was okay. younger, I guess. I think a couple of our guys like played baseball. Baseball. Mm-hmm. I think Kevin did. And maybe I think Tony, maybe, maybe Bryant. I don't know. I never played baseball. My school didn't have a baseball team. I went to a tiny little school. We didn't have baseball or football. Uh, so, have you I watched Squid Games at all? I I am finishing it tonight. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. I'm not too far off from you. The question okay. I almost had, and I just let's just get this in real quick. Let's do a little mini draft of what Kings players you would try to get on your side for these games. Okay. And like if you, uh, if you just had to kind of build a team in general, you don't know what you're walking into, right? Let's say you don't know the games ahead of time. And let's not throw the games out there for the sake of um, no spoilers here. But I mean, I have a pretty or you should you should get to go first. What kind of snake? So you go first and pick one guy and then I'll pick two and then you get to pick your last. OK, so we're just doing two each. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna go. My number one pick is gonna be uh, Rashawn Holmes. Ooh. Okay. My number one is gonna be Tristan Thompson. Okay. I think we we had the same thinking here. Ridiculous energy, strong, yep. tall guy. Yep. Um, Big man. You know. Yeah. And I think. Yeah. I mean, it's just too on brand. Like, I gotta go Robert Woodard here. Just strong okay. as can be. Still a part of the roster, by the way. So <laughs> clinging to life on the roster. <laughs> That's the only flex I got at this point. Um, yeah. Robert Woodard and Tristan Thompson. I feel like I can go into battle with anybody. I don't exactly want any pictures or videos of me standing next to those guys. It'd be a little bit of a rough look, but I, I feel good going, going with those two guys. Uh, my last pick, man, I'm debating between a few guys. Um, just to counter your pick, I'm going Alex Len. Biggest mm. human being. Not going to be – my team is – well, Rashawn's pretty fast. Len is not if we have to run or something. But, you know, they'll they'll yeah. carry me, literally. There you go. Literally. There you my, go. My, other, my, other, my other thought was Davion Mitchell. It's like oh, yeah. solid. Like, yeah, the competitiveness he's too. Yeah. Yeah, just like he'll go he'll, – he'll die to win. And it's like, well, that's what happens. So – 
Um, yeah, you can't really go all too wrong with Fox, but it feels it, it feels like it makes more sense to go with these huge guys. Yeah, I almost went with um, Harrison Barnes, like mid-range. Mm-hmm. Like he's built and big, but not like massive human being. But I'm just going to go with like massive human beings. And if we need anything with small people, uh, I guess I'm the six, seven small guy. In there you group. go. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for doing this with me, Tim. Um, of course. And obviously check out all the work going on at the Kings Herald as the season is starting to get underway and just right around the corner here. Take a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you hear from us again in the next couple of days.